When we started the podcast, we called it a baby sleep podcast for parents by parents. But like our babies, we're growing up. So we're going to be tackling topics for toddlers and bigger children too. I'm Kat Cuby, presenter and author. Did we tell you we wrote a book? And I've got my big girl pants on today. Too too much information. (laughs) And this is Sarah Carpenter, sleep consultant, baby and child expert, and always the adult in the room. Or should I say studio? I'm not sure that I'm always the adult (laughs) anywhere. I'm drifting. Yeah. Um, However, my little ones did say today, oh, wow, mommy, if you're going to a studio, you've got a real job finally. (laughs) I was like, you cheeky little monkeys. (laughs) Together, we are the sleep moms. If you've been there and got the milk-stained t-shirt, becoming a parent for the second time might feel like a squish. Or it might feel really scary because you know what's coming for you. When I was pregnant with a toddler in tow, I couldn't get my head around how it was going to work. My daughter already took up all of my time. How on earth would a baby fit into that? And I wasn't alone in my worrying and neither are you. It's one of the top questions we're asked and the topic many of you asked for as our next podcast when we put it out on socials. So let's take a look at how to sleep better with a baby and a toddler. Your toddler still feels like your baby in so many ways. So I think the first question that people probably want answered is simply, help! How do I cope with two babies at the same time? Sarah, talk us through it. Mm-hmm. How do you cope? So I think, first of all, there's an element of your toddler will always feel like your baby. It doesn't oh. matter how old they are. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. Are you going to be all mushy today? <laughs> I might be a little bit. I do think that's like quite a big thing. I still say to my 10-year-old, you know, you'll always be my baby. It doesn't matter what the age gap is. You're always going to feel yeah, like you've true. got two babies. I that's think that's true. the important thing. And you're also probably always going to feel like you're not going to cope. So again... Don't yeah. feel bad for those feelings. But you are going to cope just the same way that you felt like you weren't going to cope with number one. And there were times that you probably were in the thick of it really thinking you weren't coping. But you came out the other side and here you are having another baby. Yeah. So you've definitely coped and that's going to happen again. But it is going to be different. Things that you did first time round, you're not going to do second time round or third time or fourth time. And there are going to be things that you struggle with this time that you didn't struggle with the first time. So... As we always say, every baby is different. So is every time you have a baby and everything that you do. So you have to be a little bit open-minded and maybe a little less controlling. I think, yeah, absolutely. Whatever the age gap is, it's always going to feel like that. But when you have a toddler or a smaller child, you are still doing a lot of the things for them. So I do think like there's a physical component. You are probably still putting on their shoes. You yeah. might even be carrying them. You know, uh, like they might still be up at night or, you know, mm-hmm. well, to be honest, that's true of any age. Exactly. I think, you know, I remember phoning my good friend Senga when I was in hospital having Alfie. She was looking after Harry and I remember phoning saying, OK, I'm getting the section tomorrow. You need to help Harry walk. Because at that point, he still wasn't yeah. walking. And it suddenly just went through my head. I was like, holy cow, I'm going to have two little people who can't walk and a C-section. How do I cope? Yeah. But 
You do, you know, yeah. and very quickly Harry did walk once he had a baby brother. So, And as I often say, just lower those expectations. <laughs> I think your baby grows up really fast when the next baby comes along. So things that you might have been panicking about do suddenly change because the older one suddenly does become older even though they're still a baby. It's that horrible thing that when you put your firstborn to bed after you have another child... And it literally feels like they have grown doubled in size. It's, yeah. it's a, I, I find it personally find it a horrible feeling. I think I mean, it's with really all the emotional. Emotion. Yeah, yeah, it's a really emotional transition for parents, definitely. So I guess maybe in terms of covering the help, maybe I'm speaking more about it from that emotional side. Like I know you've said, obviously, you've done it before, you will do it again. And there's this transition period. But I think also it's quite important to look after yourself and mm-hmm. those emotions. Like, well, as you know, I've been super honest about how much I struggled after I had second child. But there can be a lot, a lot going on over and above just hormones and things mm-hmm. like that. I think when you have another chat, because you feel very split. Yeah. Um, you, you, I mean, you kind of feel like that anyway, but you feel like you're not doing well anything I think yeah. you're not enough for anyone yeah I think and I think that can start during pregnancy you know a lot of people will ask the question you know what if I don't love this one as much as I love yeah. the first and that's yeah. a very real feeling yeah. and a very real worry and all that we can do is tell you that you will but it doesn't matter you know us saying that you're going to survive and us saying that it's going to be okay and you're going to love them no, both that's... the same etc cetera, etc cetera. It makes no odds to you when you're in that situation. You need to have the baby and then you see what yeah. happens. So the help part of it, we can't really help in this situation. We just, we can prepare you for the things that you can manage when the baby comes along. I think also there's an element of you've got this sort of fully fledged personality and then you have a baby and you don't, you need to, like when you ha- first have a child, like there's that process of them getting to know you mm-hmm. and you getting to know them and like that's a beautiful thing but it's an exhausting thing mm-hmm. and it's a process and it can be very weird when you have an older child and a new baby who you don't know at all mm-hmm. but you also don't feel like you've got time to get yeah. to know them and I think also and you absolutely gave me this advice everyone will try and take the older child away and look after them mm-hmm. and that can be quite painful as well because you you feel like you've lost them and so it's managing some of those emotions I guess that yes of course you're going to need you know help Mm -hmm. whether it's from a partner or family or friends but trying to find some time with the older one can or older ones can be really really beneficial during that transition Mm -hmm. but also try not to put too much pressure on yourself because I think I put a lot of pressure on myself definitely to just continue being 100% Mm -hmm. hers as well as another, you know. Absolutely. I think it sort of leads into the next point, really, doesn't it? That you do have to sometimes routine that time. Yes. So we can talk about that. Yeah, but actually that's... But as we speak about all the time, that's actually... It's important for you just Mm -hmm. to kind of manage things but actually it's really important for kids as well yeah. so they know what's coming and Definitely. then they can also you know you're possibly like less likely to get bad behavior mm-hmm. or i say bad behavior complicated behavior mm-hmm. if they know they're going to get time yeah. with you because that's that is it's what can be massively really important mm-hmm. 
bedtime can be one of the most intense parts of the day as a parent and that doubles down or up when you've got more than one to deal with. The logistics can be tough too. Like I remember when my son was a newborn simply not being able to work out how to bath them both at the same time because, you know, she was a my eldest was a toddler she she wasn't safe in the bath yet and um, let alone get through bedtime with a witching our baby and a bouncing off the walls two-year-old so Sarah talk me through bedtime routines with two or I guess even more so I think again the first thing to remember is that sometimes less is more you don't need to bath every night what? you certainly don't need to bath the newborn every night or even at all for the first few weeks to be honest so take the pressure off yourself try and have a defined bedtime so think about what you're doing before baby comes along and if there are going to have to be major changes and start to make them gradually before the baby arrives I always recommend to people that you know if if they're doing it on their own or if, if they know that they're going to have to be doing it on their own try not to get into a routine when they've got help so quite often the other partner will have a couple of weeks off when the baby first arrives you don't want to fall into the pattern of having a blissful two weeks because you've got help and then suddenly they go back to work so try to think about your routine as if it's the real deal yeah but I think when you're knackered you kind of just need to do that Mm, it is hard and that's why it's good to put the changes in place before number two comes along so you've sort of got your head around what's going to happen do things that you wouldn't normally do so if it means that you end up sitting feeding you've got toddler in the bath and you're sitting on the toilet feeding the baby whether that's breast or bottle that's okay the baby doesn't know that it's sitting on a toilet being fed it's still going to be clean and hygienic and that's all that matters so you know you're not going to always be able to sit in a cozy bed cuddled in with your little one and remember that the toddler is the one that actually at this point needs you a little bit more, which I know is hard for people to get their head around, but they're the ones who aren't necessarily, as you said, they're not going to be safe sitting in a bath by themselves. So if baby does have to be put down, whether that's in the Moses basket, caught car seat somewhere safe, they will be okay. You can keep checking on them. If they whinge a little bit, they're still going to be okay. The older ones are the ones who could get into more trouble. I know with Alfie, if I'd turned my back when I had Emily, he would have been the one that would have like climbed up the kitchen units to get something. So you do have to remember that although the newborn needs you, the older one does really still need you as well, unless they're much older and a bit more self-sufficient. So when you're thinking about your routine, try and have quite a consistent routine in line with what you've had previously, but make sure that you're allocating time for the older one. So it's not always somebody else putting the older one to bed while you deal with the newborn. Try and pass the newborn over as well. So there's a wee bit of dividing and conquering, of course, you know, when Mm -hmm. you have more children, if you can. Mm -hmm. But also lots of people end up having to manage it on their own just, you know, for whatever personal Mm -hmm. reasons. I did a lot of bedtimes um, by myself and would find that I would feed and try and read a bedtime story. But it quite often descended into a bit of chaos and I could never quite work out which I should be putting down first Mm -hmm. because it sort of felt like whichever way I did it, it wasn't quite the right one. So is there is there a. I know obviously people have different setups, but what what would you say works best? So I think it's hard for people to get their head around the fact that when they have another baby, they're not born with a routine. If 
if you've got a routine with your older one, that's kind of what you remember. So people forget that, you know, maybe the first even four months, actually, baby wasn't going to bed when they You're were... You're going to talk about Ollie, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when are they going to start sleeping through? Yeah, not, not for time. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's across the board. Like most people... The, those first few months when um, your number one has been up with you, maybe been in the living room or been dotting around doing whatever, when you have number two, you immediately try to get them into a bedtime routine because that's what number one is now doing. So they miss that phase of just dotting around the house. So it's important to try and sort of think back to how it was at the very beginning with one and take the pressure off the routine for number two. However, you can still have a routine which works for number one, but you've just got to be a wee bit more flexible with it. So it might be that for the first few weeks, it's still your eldest one that's going to bed first and the baby is going to bed later. You might then have a period of change where the baby is due a nap around about that time. So they can go down and have a sleep while you focus on number one. And then it'll flip again. Those first few months can be very changeable. So try not to get hung up on, okay, this worked one night, so that is what's going to work every single night. Until baby's a bit older, you need to have a wee bit of flexibility around how to make it work. But if you can engineer naps to work so that baby is sleeping when big one's going to bed, it does give you that one-on-one time again. We did a, a bit of that, but what I found having an older child this this last mm-hmm. time around is she felt super left out of baby being allowed what she felt even though he was napping she felt he was being allowed to stay up with us because obviously we kept him in the living room uh during the evening you know for Mm -hmm. safety reasons and for feeding and yeah she felt really skanked I think by Mm -hmm. it so that that kind of kick-started her being really unsettled during Mm -hmm. the evening but there's nothing you can really do about that are you sitting in the bedroom with the newborn so so the older one feels like they are having their normal bedtime and baby's going to bed I as meant well. after bed after uh-huh. gone so to bed. big ones that gone to bed you put big one to bed you want to go back downstairs and have your dinner and things however you end up putting baby to bed to make big one feel like baby's in bed you're then sitting in the bedroom yeah that's not sustainable either so you have to put things in place to reassure big one that whether that's a reward chart, whether it's allocating other times of the day and just explaining the whole, you're of an age where you need this much sleep, baby is of an age where they need this much sleep. This is how we have I to make know, it work. I, I don't it's really a get my head around <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, she's still like, what? There, you sleep for 10 hours? And I'm like, well, you're meant to. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is hard. It's hard for the older ones to adjust, especially when they've got when they are that much older that they've got some understanding of it all as well. Getting your baby to nap at all with one can feel like you're bossing it, but leveling up and getting two children to nap at the same time, that is some expert level parenting. The holy grail of having crotch fruit. God, try saying that after a few. <laughs> the holy grail of having crotch fruit. (laughs) Is it possible, Sarah? Surely not to get them napping at the same time. It 100% is possible. However, you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself. And that is the major thing with all of these points that we're covering today. Take the pressure off. It might not happen every day. 
and it's not going to happen that they nap for exactly the same length of time. So this is another really good time of the day when you can give that time to the bigger one. So if babies do a nap, put them down first, have your one-on-one time with number one and then put them down for a nap. Baby will probably wake up anyway before the bigger one does. So then you've got time to feed so that you're then ready for the older one waking up again. So you, you're you not necessarily going to get every nap spot on together, but you can get windows which allow you to then focus on the one that needs you. I think, I mean, obviously having a routine, we spoke about that, like even if you're not a routine person that for the, that first wee while of having a baby and a newborn whilst you might not put it in place right at the start for the newborn having some structure is really useful Mm -hmm. and obviously if you're following any of the routines that we recommend in our book sleep better baby then ultimately they will slot into what is fairly fairly similar kind of patterns uh, depending obviously on the ages Mm -hmm. of of the baby and the child but I think it's also really good, as you say, to not put pressure on yourself, but also to have kind of backup things, like whether it is like, you know, I think you've spoken about having like a feeding box for kids, like if you, whether that is breast or bottle, you are going to be having to be engaged with the baby and the toddler or child is going to need entertained. So having things at your disposal to be able to give them that they can kind of entertain themselves or mm-hmm. that you can easily help them is good but I think that also goes for nap time just bringing it back to that that Definitely. like you might have set like extended mm-hmm. settling periods for, for the baby and you're going to need to try and yep. entertain toddler or child who will probably enthusiastically be trying to help mm-hmm. you which is usually really unhelpful yeah. so what what kind of things could so yeah the the box of goodies is a really good one you know if you know that you're going to have to be out of the room for a little while and you need them to be occupied then have a little box of stuff that they're not normally allowed. So special toys or a DVD that they're not normally... Do we even have DVDs anymore? (laughs) How old are you? No. That's like when my sister brought out a wallet at dinner the other night. I was like, what is that? Honestly, it was a massive brick. She was like, my wallet. I was like, just got your phone. (laughs) See, I've only just gone to the phone thing and it still blows my mind. And I do still have a file of facts. (laughs) Oh my god, take me back to the eighties. <laughs> anyway. Where are your shoulder pads? So um so it doesn't need to be a DVD, it can be Netflix. <laughs> but it's just having those things that are more they're viewed more as a treat. So um and it doesn't need to be in another room if it's easier for you to have the older one in the hallway, as long as they're playing relatively quietly, then that's fine. You can be in the bedroom, you can still be checking on them. Using the TV, you know, we all get a little bit freaked out about screen time and we're all a bit paranoid about it. It's a period of time in those children's lives, both of those children's lives, where you need to go into a little bit of survival mode. So if they end up, if the older one ends up having a bit more TV than you would like or the baby ends up in the sling a little bit more than you'd planned on, it's fine. You know, again, just lay off yourself. You've got to survive. You're still meeting everybody's needs and that is the main thing. So don't beat yourself up if you do rely on things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like 18 million episodes of Bing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I relied you know. on And again, going back to what we were saying around about the sort of bath time, if it means that you put baby in the cot to go for their nap and they do grumble a little bit more than you would like, you're letting that happen because the older one does actually yeah. need to and you're keeping them safe. So I think that's an important thing that 
when you talk about doing things differently, there's the positive side of it, like in the, mm-hmm. you know, you're experienced, you know, things won't go on forever. Like, yeah. you, you know what you're doing. You can change a nappy super fast. But there are things that you will have come around to doing perhaps with your elder one that you simply will not be able to do with your younger one. And I'm not going to lie to you, you will always carry guilt for whether that is that they won't have the same birthday parties or they won't go to the same classes or, Mm -hmm. you know, they won't have the same. Like you're just always going to feel a Mm -hmm. bit shitty about that. Um, And that is a horrible feeling. And I think that's a new feeling when you first have more than one child as well. Mm -hmm. I think there's... Like one thing that I've realised with my three is that there's different times that you get time with each of them. So, you know, Harry got me as a baby until Alfie came along. And then it was a bit shared and I felt guilty that Alfie didn't have me as a baby. But then Harry started nursery and then suddenly Alfie got me. And then Emily came along and it was just like, oh my God, this poor child's not going to get me at all. But then both the boys started school and Emily didn't go to nursery. So she got me at that point. Yeah. So... Yes, it feels like you're not providing the same as you did for the first one, but there are going to be different times throughout their lives that they do all get you. And actually, we've done a full 360, and now I'd say it's probably Harry at the moment, who's almost 11, and he's getting the most of me at the minute. So, again, try and think long term that, yes, they might not be getting you at the time that the first one did, but eventually they're still all going to get a bit of you. So I think as well, just sort of jumping back a wee bit with the routine thing, if you are routine laid, then it is good to have the kind of pegs to hang things on. But there are going to be days when you've got to where you just can't have a routine at all. And that's okay as well. You know, don't get too hung up on having a routine with number two. But sometimes you might not be hung up in the routine, but your children might be Massively. and that can be quite mm-hmm. stressful particularly yeah. if you've put in place <laughs> so how do you manage that so i think focusing again on the older one's routine is the key thing you know you can wing it with a baby as much as you never felt like you could with the first one you absolutely can and number two will have to quite regularly so it is maintaining the first one's routine so that the second one can just slot in is totally fine until you get to a certain point but hopefully things have set the ground yes. is settled a wee bit mm-hmm. by that point and also you find when you get to that point that actually by that stage number one's more comfortable with number two so you can wing it a little bit with their routine as well yeah so it's like a settling in mm-hmm. period yeah. sort of The number ones or number ones, twos and threes, however many you're adding in, they do go through a period where it's quite exciting to have the baby. Then it's like, oh, so this is actually here to stay. And that's the unsettled bit. And then it becomes your life again. Yeah. And then I think you find, as I'm sort of at the point when when the baby becomes more of a personality, their needs change, then you almost get another whammy of it. But that's not to freak you out (laughs) if you're not there yet. And you you should hopefully be getting some sleep so more able to cope with it by that point. Even parents who have no bother with bed or nap time routines often find they struggle at some point when it comes to overnight sleep with two. Such is the fear of waking the other child up. They will often do anything and everything to keep things quiet, which in the long run can sometimes cause different problems. So let's talk a wee bit about night wakings, how to deal with baby night wakes, uh, then toddler wakes, and when everyone is awake and just will not go back to sleep. 
Yeah, I mean, that's realistic. Like, you are going to fully have nights like that. Um, obviously, initially with baby, they are going to wake up. They need to wake up. They need to feed. So you go with the flow and you deal with that. There might be nights that toddler wakes up as well and really, really needs you. So you end up feeding the baby in the toddler room in the toddler's room because that's what they need and that's totally fine. There might also be nights when the toddler gets into bed with you because that's what you need. You're in survival mode too. Yeah. So, you know, you go with the flow at times. Obviously you know what your toddler is gonna to respond to or your older one's gonna to respond to. So for some people they just won't settle in the bed and that's fine. You do then have to take the baby out of the room and do what you need to do. Don't worry about the noise thing. You know, the noise thing people do get really hung up on. I'm going to sneeze, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did it go away? That's like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, the frustration. <laughs> the facial expression. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, you know what they say about sneezing. <laughs> Do you? No. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that to your own imagination. Look at, look at light. I'm then sure it's like something else. <laughs> Cat. Um, right. Let's get back on topic. So, yeah, the noise thing. You need to be normal. Don't try and mask noise. So, you know, we're, we're all really guilty of keeping it in the house. <laughs> yeah. Sneeze, flush the toilet, do all those things. Don't stop doing things like that. Boil the kettle. Baby will get used to normal sounds. It's unusual sounds that are more likely to wake baby. And the same with the toddler. You'll be amazed at how quickly the older one actually gets used to the baby crying and isn't bothered by it. You might see them wriggle a little bit if you've got them on a camera, but they generally won't wake up. So it's your fear more than the reality. So it's getting over that. La literally last night, the baby screamed for close to three hours we had a really rough night quite unlike him um i think it was wind and then overtiredness yep. and i really struggled to settle him none of the mm. usual things were working uh ollie was away i was messaging him <laughs> to say this. he was like have you tried this have you tried this i was like yeah we wrote a bloody book <laughs> <laughs> um that was very useful but honestly he is so loud the baby is so loud and the other two slept completely through it like it was unbelievable i can't i cannot imagine it was honestly like there was a siren going on in the house for three hours yeah. it's crazy it is crazy but it is like us you know like i i live in fact you you do as well we both live in areas where there is noise there's external noise and the first fortnight that i was in the house I woke up to every single sound. We actually have an um, ambulance depot not far away from us, so quite frequently the sirens will go off. And I was waking up to everything. You're going, what have I done? Uh -huh. I can't sleep I was like, like totally regretting my choices. Now, I can sleep through any of that. You know, you do get used to it and children are the same. Yeah. The only thing I'd say that wakes me up now is if my dog barks, because he's not a barker. <laughs> so if he barks, I know there's a problem and I'll wake up. Other than that, I'm pretty much, if I'm at home and off... Guinness then, the guard dog. Guinness the guard dog, who's the soppiest dog <laughs> yeah. in the world. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just like us, children get used to noise very, very quickly. And the baby is already used to the older one's noises. So if the toddler's up having a tantrum in the night, the baby will have heard that tantrum 
quite a few times when they've been in the womb. Yeah. I was going to say a million, but then I thought that's doing an injustice to the toddler. So. <laughs> I don't know, not mine. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is, they're all familiar sounds in the same way that often when babies are really wee, when you're coming to bed, it's a familiar sound so they don't wake up and it's only when they actually hit that phase where they're really super sensitive in the light sleep that they do wake but up. But I think that's it. quite what, quite often what happens and I've certainly been there and done this, that when they're in that period and there are maybe noises going on from toddler or older children mm-hmm. and it does wake them up, you freak out mm-hmm. and it beca- and then you build up so you become very stressed about it and that's yep. how you sort of then, I think, get into the cycle of just trying to do anything to get everyone back to sleep, which is Definitely. by no means a bad thing because sometimes no. you have nights like that but it's mm-hmm. when it becomes a regular thing that you're not feeling exactly. comfortable with. I don't know that your toddler is asking for, I don't know, Mints and ties in the middle of the Exactly. Night. <laughs> and you acquiesce because you're like, right, yeah, I need yeah. to get you back to sleep. And that's not going to work Definitely. long term. I think it comes back to everything that we say all the time. If it's working for you, that's great. And you do it until it's not working for yeah. you. And there will come a time in this situation when everybody being awake from one till three is not working for you. Yeah. So you do what you need to do initially. And then when you're ready, you start to put things in place, whether that's through... A gentle sleep training with the toddler, working out where the baby's actually best suited. It might not be that you and baby being in the main bedroom is the best idea. You know, sometimes it is that mum and baby or dad and baby have to move out of the main bedroom because other children are yeah. coming in frequently. So there's ways around it when you need to fix it. Yeah. And I think also the, ah, like, <laughs> holy grail of white noise. Uh, it helps sort of like a sticking plaster over a lot of things. Mm. And people maybe use it for babies, um, but they often don't think about using it for toddlers. And there's no reason you can't reintroduce oh, it or introduce absolutely. it if they've never had it. And, and it's Definitely. quite good a buffer and covering sound if, if, the baby, if you feel yeah. the baby is disturbing. To- and it doesn't need to be in the room. I think a lot of people feel that if they're using a noise and it has to be in the actual room with the child, it doesn't need to be. It can be in the hall and that can be enough. To just mask have it pretty lots loud, of different sounds. Not really, because it's still just a dull noise, dull, consistent sound within the house. So, you know, if you've got it relatively close to the older one's door, it is still the So, yeah, first you don't have to, like, hear. sneak in and put it on, because exactly. sometimes they can be funny about yeah. you reintroducing uh-huh. something at a bedtime. Exactly. And especially if they know that you're using it as a sleep yes. trigger for a baby, yeah. they suddenly become completely allergic to sleep yeah. triggers because they yeah. don't they want to fight sleep yeah. and they want to be in control. So it's just doing things like that. Another thing as well with them um, older ones that I found really useful is if they're aware that you've got a camera for a baby they get a little bit jealous sometimes that you're watching the baby and so reintroducing a camera for an older one can really help with sleep too. They just get that comfort. They know that you're watching. They feel like they can communicate with you if they need to. Nine times out of ten, they don't, but they know it's there as an option if they need it. So that's just another, it's that kind of, you're not babyfying them, but you're letting them know that they are still your baby as well. So it's just that reassurance for them. It's a really fine line, I think, at that point of giving them things like you say that make them feel the same as babies mm-hmm. so in in their heads presumably as loved and and coddled yeah. or cuddled um but also allowing them to feel 
you know the grown up grown one up. Yep. as well and and that can be a hard balance because as you say sometimes being like white noise they'll be like oh no 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 that's mm-hmm. that's too babyish for me yeah. but that they also want to feel yeah mm-hmm. loved and protected if they if they feel that Definitely. that's not yeah and even just you know if you are going to use some sort of a sound just making it slightly different to what baby has can make a big difference so if baby's got a shush sound then use the white noise for the older one if or do it the other way round, um, or be like Emily and have Heart FM on all night. I mean, oh, that's a little plug. On. Should we get a sponsorship? <laughs> and finally, this isn't just about their sleep. It's also about yours. It can be really hard to find any kind of rest when you have two children or more. So how can we as parents get a good quality cup of rest. So you have to really step out of your routine and your um, comfort zone, I suppose. I remember with Emily, especially, I would put the big ones to bed, big ones who were still pretty tiny at the time. Mm -hmm. Then I would feed her and put her to bed and I would go to bed. So I went to bed at seven o'clock for probably the first four months and I had my dinner around about 10, 10.30 when she woke up for her first feed. So it was all out of whack. It was all a little bit crazy. But for me, that was how I got through and got the most sleep because I couldn't sleep during the day. There was absolutely no way with three under four that I was getting back to bed during the day. So I had to maximise my nights. So, yeah, it's not ideal if you want to spend an evening with your partner, but try and think of it as... I mean, to an end and just maximising the amount of sleep that you can get. Alternatively, if you can get at the other end of the day, for some people, they can get more help in the morning. So if it's that you get up and maybe do the first half hour with them all so that they've all seen you, but then somebody can come in and help with the other two or however many you've got, um, the older ones, and then you and baby go back to bed, do things like that. So... Don't think of it, try not to think of what you did with number one because quite often people do go back to sleep during the day when they've got one. You maybe can't do that now. (laughs) I know. You maybe don't have that option so just think about other times of the 24 hours that you can maximise your sleep. I think, you know, we've written articles about this for adults as well and actually a lot of the kind of like mainstays of what we encourage for babies and children are true for adults too. Like you have to think about when you're being fed... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> having rest time, yeah. not being overtired, not overstimulating yourself on, Definitely. you know, social media yeah. before you go to sleep. And whilst we know we 100% do those things, it's, it is important to keep that in mind mm-hmm. if you are struggling to, yeah. to get any sleep or get any rest. And of course, you, you might need adult time. But as you say, like prioritise what you, you need. It mm-hmm. might be that you need time on your own or it might yeah. be that you need time with your partner or it might be sleep. And mm-hmm. um, we can vouch for sleep being a pretty important one. Definitely. But, you know, um, for me, I had to have dinner more with at kids at five o'clock because mm-hmm. I could not cope with the bedtime routine for two on a night. I would just be yeah. starving and super hangry. So that was how kind of how mm-hmm. I managed it. I'm totally laughing because every time you tell me that you have kids dinner, it makes me feel like you're just on holiday in your own home every night. You know that way when you have your two sets. I also eat spaghetti hoops most nights. So, I mean, that goes for us both. It's something that you say a lot. And then I had kids dinner. Cats on holiday again. Oh, that'd be nice. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, no, you do have to make it work for you. And you also have to, it's not always sleep that you need. So I know it's a big thing for you too, but having a bath is massive, you know, and even if it's not something that you normally do. I really wondered what you were going <laughs> to say there. <laughs> Don't know why. Like, not that long ago, you know, only, what, two or three months ago when I got to your house one day, quite early actually, probably around about kids' dinner, you took one look at me and you were like, oh my God, I'm going to run you a bath. So, and I that, live like, by, if in doubt, take a yeah, bath. Totally, but it can be, you know, 20, 30 minutes if you've got that long in the bath can reset you for the rest of the day so even if that is that you've put baby for a nap and the older ones are at nursery or out for a walk with grandparents or doing something else you know that you haven't got time necessarily for a sleep but jump in the bath and rejuvenate yourself a little bit and then crack on again and I think also we spoke a wee bit about giving time to the older one but not putting pressure for me too one of the things that helped me get rest within that confusing time of having more than one child was trying to find space in the week I'm 100% sure it was you who recommended it but taking older one to the park Mm -hmm. like doing a really normal thing that you used to do before the baby was here and it can a bit like the bath Mm -hmm. it can be if you can find any help for that for 20 minutes or a really short period of time just doing something normal Mm -hmm. with them can be helpful to your relationship for them but also about how you feel because I mean I spent a lot of time in that phase beating myself up as soon as I went to bed like that's mm-hmm. why I didn't sleep um, and of course there were other things going on for me there might be for mm-hmm. you but it was I, I battled so much with that so trying to find only you will know yeah. what what are the things that are, are you are struggling with mm-hmm. but trying to, to voice them and find solutions for them or trying Definitely. to find space for them I guess mm-hmm. is really good so as you say it might be sleep yeah. might be food might be time with your partner, might be time with your toddler or your child. Um, it can even be going to the supermarket on your own. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people that is massive, just going with no other children and having that time doing something which normally we hate can actually be the thing that keeps us going. So it's okay to ask for help as well with any of them. You know, it doesn't, like you were saying earlier, a lot of people offer to have the older one. It's okay to say, no, I want time with them. Yeah. Take the baby yeah. for a little while. But that can feel a wretch too. Oh, 100%. It's horrific. But yeah, asking for for help. And actually, um, as much as, you know, my favourite phrase is being consistent, a lot of the time when you're adjusting to having two, you need to be inconsistent just to survive. Oh, well, that's throwing a spanner (laughs) in the works. I was just about to tie things up. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, you just, you know, you, you might ha- you might get the baby's routine spot on one day, but then the toddler has something going on the next day that you just can't even try and go near the baby's routine. So don't worry about being inconsistent with the younger one. Well, that's, so I was going to talk about survival and moving forward, mm-hmm. which we obviously put Cut a lot of time into because both in the book, but also just mm-hmm. talking about, because it's important to know that you ha- you have choices depending on how you are feeling. Um We've talked a lot about the things you can do to help with sleep when you have a toddler and a baby, but sometimes doing anything at all feels too much. So when you're in survival mode, is there anything super easy you can do to make life easier? Is it just that? Just It is. It's really just taking your hands off and being a bit more relaxed about it all, to be honest. That's the best way to deal with it if you can. And asking for help. And asking for help, yeah. And not... 
don't put pressure on yourself yeah, for any of these things. Exactly. Like try not to if feel guilty about everything yeah. that you've done, which yeah, exactly. is impossible, but try. And when you're ready to move on, you can think about some of the suggestions we've given you. Um, but I think also make a plan. Like I know we touched yeah. on that at the beginning, but if you don't like plans or routines with one baby, they definitely can be useful with mm-hmm. two because life is just that little bit yeah. more complicated. And it might not necessarily be about making a plan for the whole day. There might just be times of the day that you need a plan. So it may be that, you know, over dinner time, you need a bit more of a strict plan or you know over the morning when you're trying to get one out the door you need to be a little bit more routine based but then the rest of the day you can wing it so don't overwhelm yourself by looking at the 24 hours yeah exactly exactly. section Mm -hmm. your day for sure right we have a lovely listener question as we do every week we like to hear from you guys and answer your questions in real time in real life because we know how important it is to make sense of any advice or support we're giving you uh this week we have a question from nick hi it's nick here and i'm looking for a bit of help um basically i'm terrified of doing bedtime alone i know there's single people out there that do it and there's people that have got far less support than than i do but i'm just struggling to work out how to do it my partner she's going away next month for work and i'm going to have to step up i really need your help that's guilt, like that yeah. feeling like, I know it, I, 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 and that's, I felt that as well. I was like, how can I feel that this is so hard when I know there are so many people mm-hmm. that have it harder? Mm, like, totally. and I beat myself about up about that so much. I think as well for dads and, you know, partners who haven't given birth, they have extra guilt over this because they know themselves that nine times out of ten, the partner has already done it on their own. And then they're panicking about having to do it. But actually, it is a little bit harder for them because they're not used to doing it. They haven't been thrown in at the deep end and they haven't just had to get on with it. So generally, they've done it with two people. They've not had that introduction to it in the way that the the other person has. Yeah. So it is scary. And the best bit of advice that we can give is to practice. You know, don't wait until whoever it is that's going away is going away. Do it in gradual stages. So start sharing the load. Do it with the other partner in the house so that you've got somebody there that you can call on if something goes wrong, but that other person knows that they're meant to be hands-off. If the main carer finds it difficult being in the house, then just start going out for little walks. You know, because quite often, as the main carer, we can be a little bit controlling. So if that's how you feel, remove yourself. Give the other partner a chance to get it right by themselves and only step in if you've really been asked to do so. And don't be scared, you know, if you are really feeling daunted by it, ask somebody else to be there when the partner's away. It's totally fine. If you've got somebody else that can come along, then do it. Don't feel bad that you've not done it on your own. See how you get on. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a client just now who um, does find it really daunting being alone with the baby at night for various different reasons. And so they've got a really good friend who, you know, when the other partner has to go, they have to go away once a fortnight for two nights. And so their pal just comes for a sleepover. And actually they're loving it because they're getting time together as well. So don't see it as a negative. You know, that's time to find yourself again a little bit too and be a normal person. So... You know, it doesn't... There are options. Yeah, there are I think options. I would say as well, you know, depending on how many nights it is, it will be okay yeah. as well, even if it all goes tits uh-huh. up for that time. Yeah. And it might be stressful, but I had a realisation the other night, it's taken me a long time. 
they will go to sleep at some point. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, even if they're up all night or end up in your bed or whatever, it's one night or two nights or yeah. three nights. It's not going to be months and months and months. So, and if it is months and months and months, then you're going to fix it all anyway. So... So that's if you're not the main carer. What if you are the main carer, but you've had help? We sort of mm-hmm. touched on that and you're feeling daunted about doing it on your own, having had support. Is there any kind of, is it because you, you would, things would be slightly different in that because you've, you've perhaps been doing more. Yeah. I think again, it's all about the practicing. So ease yourself into it. If you know that something's coming up where you are going to have to be in your own, then do more and more on the run up to it. So you've got that confidence. And if it's sprung on you, then just survive, you know, do whatever you need to do on that particular day to get through it and know that the next day is a new day. This is maybe slightly more true for older kids, but I often find that in those circumstances, maybe if you, you know, are worried that it's going to be bad, the kids often step up. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that they know that they need your, you you need their support, Mm -hmm. even when they're really little, you know, what you can talk to them about it as well, but also Mm -hmm. that things are usually not as bad as you think they're going to be. And if they are bad, as you say. You do get the other extreme as well, where they just decide that they're going to be absolute (laughs) little shits because you're on your own. don't worry, Nick, (laughs) that's not going to happen to you. We're meant to be supportive. <laughs> You'll survive, yeah. even if they are, and you can hold it against them. <laughs> or you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nick. We hope that helped and good luck. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, send us a listener question. You can find us on socials at The Sleep Mums. We are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. YouTube. YouTube. What else? Anything Surely else? Surely that's it. Surely that's it. <laughs> That sounds like more than enough of us. (laughs) (laughs) On our website. You can find us on our website. Uh, Or send us a wee email. Hello at thesleepmums.com By the time you have a baby and toddler, you are likely a pro at coping with a punami. You've sussed buttering toast with a child on your hip and you can manage a meltdown. But working out bed and nighttime with two can feel like a parenting step too far, possibly because you're so exhausted. Part of it is working out this new human in your family dynamic. You're getting to know them and they are getting to know you and how to be human with a possibly very enthusiastic sibling or siblings. It's resilience building! (laughs) Things will get better with time because you will all start to make sense to each other. And that's really when you become a family. It's beautiful. (laughs) You were meant to be being the softy one today. (laughs) But we also know that's a bit of a platitude and it doesn't really help when you're knackered and you're in the thick of it. So we hope these other tips and ideas will help you get better sleep quicker. There is a jigsaw of a routine that will work for your family. It will not be the exact same as it was. And whilst having one child might feel like a walk in the park, The day you get them both to the park with no tears, yours, and then manage to get them to sleep at the same time, you are going to feel like a hero. And you are. Theirs. As ever, look after yourself and sleep soon. Hold up. 